7 o'clock. Good morning, pile. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Busy weekend. And we had the Pro Bowl yesterday. We had the oh, flag football game yesterday, oh. which I saw highlights and that's it. I'll be honest. Are, are there highlights? There were There were some highlights. Yes. Eli takes down Peyton again. Younger brother for the win. This, there were highlights oh. of it. Not like I just oh there there they are playing flag football. Okay, cool. NHL All Star Weekend was fun. I don't know if I need to see Justin Bieber coaching a team, but okay. And that whatever that coat was that he was wearing. I tell you, you didn't see Justin Bieber? No, I didn't. Because they had, like, celebrity coaches. Uh, Will Arnett was yeah. one of them. So I've, was Bieber. So I Biebs. watched zero all-star coverage over the weekend. Pro Bowl, all-star game. I did watch some of the NHL all-star game because it was kind of fun. To me, the flag football stuff, I just don't. It's not that I dislike flag football. Mm-hmm. I just... At least... The three-on-three for the NHL All-Star game. It's kind of like what they normally do. It's close. Yeah. McKinnon, Team McKinnon got to a hot start, and then they couldn't uh, quite seal the deal. For me, I find it interesting that the All-Star game was yesterday. Right. And Pardon me while I type here. You're fine. And now the Avs are playing at the Garden tonight. Yes. I do find that interesting, the fact that, you know, rest be damned, we're back at it tonight. I find that interesting because usually, like baseball, it's, you know, go through spring training, play a game, have a day off, play another game, have a day off. Then you get into the season and then for All-Star break, you have four days off, even if you're not playing. And then the guys that play get two more off Wednesday, Thursday. Hockey, it's like, no. You have the All-Star game in Toronto. I think that's where it was. It was in Toronto, yes. And then, that's an affirmative. You know, Cam McCarr and Nathan McKinnon. All right, you got to hop on a jet. And Georgie. I know it's not. Georgie played. Georgie, too. Team McKinnon. And it. You know, not all the way across the country, but you still got to go to New York and then play the next day. That, to me, I was taken aback by that a little bit. Well, they played All-Star Game was Saturday for the NHL. Oh, it wasn't just, last just, night? No, it was yes. It shows was, you how much I actually okay. pay attention. <laughs> just so I'm not trying to blow up what you're saying here because it's still, it's like, well, it's still a pretty quick turnaround. It's, yeah. They played They played Saturday, like late after, mm-hmm. it was like afternoon, very, they very early evening. Could have played yesterday. I still would not have watched. Part of it was I just popped it on for a few minutes at mm-hmm. home, and then we went out to an establishment, and it was on. I'm like, oh. Oh, there you go. There it is. So I just kind of sat there and visited with Kenda and, mm-hmm. like, sports grazed the All-Star game. Yeah, the, the yeah, Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, I did not watch a single second of it. No. As much as I love Peyton and Eli, I just, it's just flag football. It's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, 
And those guys are insanely talented flag football players, by the way. I just... Talented real football players. They're they're talented real football. The tackle and the flag variety. They're pretty good at both. I just didn't feel a burning need to watch it. I just... Not even for Peyton and Eli. No. Not even for those dudes who we we love in this program. Yes. Not everything they touch goes immediately gold. No. Because I felt no need to watch all-star coverage of any sport. And I'm probably not going to watch the NBA All-Star game either. That's that's a, a pass for me as well. Mm-hmm. The, the one that I'm always kind of committed to is the Major League Baseball All-Star game. Right. I will watch some of it. At least probably two to three innings of it. Mm-hmm. Gar- guaranteed I'll watch at least that much. There's part of it for me is that's the only game in town that day. Yes. There's other stuff to take in over this weekend. College basketball. College basketball, NBA. Maybe if you wanted to check out Senior Bowl. Yeah, getting ready for the Super Bowl, stuff like that. Yeah. Not really a whole lot going on the second Tuesday in July. And the the bowl games like the East-West Shrine Senior Bowl, they're facing a challenge. They're facing serious challenges moving forward because you had guys, most notably Michael Penix Jr., who said, went through practices. And then Scout, decided not to Scouts play. got to see me. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't need to play. That they're they're probably going to if they're going to continue to play those games, they're gonna have to bring in more guys. They have to bring in more players. Because Bo Nix, I think, only played like a series. So Sam Hartman got a lot of snaps. Right. Spencer Rattler was, I think he ended up being the player of the game. The former Oklahoma, South Carolina quarterback. But you had some guys that said, we're, okay, I went through practice. Scouts were here. They got to see me. And in, in, a, in a game-like situation in some aspects, I'm done. I'm good. I don't need to go out and actually play in the game. And that is a legitimate concern going forward of will these games not have enough players. Yeah. Because you got to have a game. You can't just have practices. You can't just do that and go, okay, this is this is the scene. It's senior practices. It's not the senior bowl because right. you're not playing a game. You're not playing. And so what do you do if you're the organizers of those games moving forward? If you're getting more and more guys that are making a business decision like Michael Penix Jr. did mm-hmm. to go, now, they came thanks, here. but no thanks. They came here. I accomplished, in, in in his defense, he accomplished what he needed to. Mm-hmm. Scouts were there. Scouts saw him go through drills, go through the work. Why did he need to play in the game? Is there is there a valuation? Is there a valuation going to go from up here to down here if he goes out and plays in the game and isn't great? If you're, you, I don't I, know I how much that. your opinion changes. Yeah. If you're not one of the coaching staff. You know what I mean? Like, if you, I think it was what? On one of the coaching staffs was maybe the Dolphins. I saw a logo out there. Maybe your opinion changes on a couple guys because of the coachability factor, right? You're in there. You're, you're on the field. You're doing the whole thing. Maybe your opinion is like, well, you know, this guy's drive appeals to us or this guy's attitude doesn't. Other than that, does the Senior Bowl or the Shrine game – does that really change that much? That's a genuine yeah. question. That's yeah. not a, you know, cynical 
Oh, well, this is pointless. I don't know. I don't know if your opinion changes. I, I don't know either. I just know that moving forward, this is now going to become a bigger problem than yeah. it's been in the past where guys are going to say, look, I, I don't need to play in the game. This is an opportunity for me to, sh- to show scouts. Mm-hmm. Everybody's there. And, okay, I did that. Now I, I don't need to go out and play in the game. And I, right. I can play. I'm, I can participate and show my skill set in a controlled environment, which reduces the risk of me getting hurt. In the game, I can't control those risks. Yeah. Like those, can, can't be, those can't be mitigated. I can much be in much better control of things during my pro day. And this essentially is somewhat of a pro right. day-ish kind of thing where it's, it's even better because you're seeing them go through work against other players, other, mm-hmm. other talented players. You're seeing them go through drills in a scrimmage-like situation where it's probably in a lot of ways a better evaluation than just a pro day. Because there's at least some rush, <laughs> you know, pass rush. Sure. Where in pro day, it's maybe some underclassman or walk-on from the football program well, who knows it's, that. It's t-shirts and shorts, yeah. and it's and that's what a pro day is. I mean, this is somewhat ish, more you know, it's more like a game mm-hmm. than. Than a pro day is going to be closer to football than the Pro Bowl, at least. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. So yeah, I just you know just reading some things this weekend, and with Michael Penix Jr. deciding at the last minute to not play, that there's kind of the sense of where does this go? Where do games like the Senior Bowl and then the the Shrine Bowl go go moving forward if they? aren't going to have players that actually want to stay and play in the game. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I can't say I've ever sat down and watched these games significantly. So for me, I don't think I'm really going to miss them. It's more about, yeah, it's not, it's not like, like you and I are going to, we're going to cry the, the, the death of the, the senior bowl right. or the East West shrine game. Yeah. Like there's not going to be a, you know, a funeral pyre for me in the right. backyard for the Shrine game. But for the people that do put these on, though, this this could be a signal that maybe these games are coming to an end at some point. And it used to, it used to be kind of a bigger deal where, hey, you get to see the, the best college football players on the field together. Kind of like the Pro Bowl mm-hmm. used to be. You'd see the best of the, the best. The best together. And now it's... They have the best NFL players playing flag football. Yeah, which is a thing. Which is a thing. And and I get it. And I get it for those college players that go, I've, I've been out here, and maybe it's, maybe you might feel like they're using the system. Mm-hmm. You're taking advantage of the people at like the, the, the senior bowl. But they're there. They go through the workouts. They get seen by scouts. They have that opportunity, another op- opportunity to show what their skill set is, and then they're done. And why do they have to play in the game? That, that I just, I just don't. I yeah, I, you're gonna have people like, well, it's, that's you know, that's garbage, and mm-hmm. they should be committed. Well, if guys, like, if guys aren't committed to play in an actual bowl game, yeah, they're not gonna play in the senior bowl. And you're gonna see more of this happen. So anyway, just 
an observation from the weekend. Uh, if you got something that makes your list the good, the bad, and the ugly, 970-242-1340. Jim along with uh, the Buckeye boy today. Kind of a Buffalo's men's basketball team. Yikes. Oof. Yeah. Lose to Utah, 73-68. Got a text from uh, Mike in Scottsdale. Thinks Tad Boyle needs to go. I don't know if I'm ready to jump on that wagon yet. But this is a team that's now screaming in IT that sh- that looked like they were how much lock might be too strong of a word, but pretty close mm-hmm. to be an NCAA tournament team with this talent. With KJ Simpson, with Williams, with with the players that they have on this team. Tristan De Silva. You're thinking this this team's probably an NCAA tournament team. And so, I mean, there's still opportunities for this team, but man, that's not good. That's a tough loss to take. That is a tough one to take. Because we talked the other day how they were healthy now, mm-hmm. how all of a sudden they were they were third in the in the Pac twelve. And that hurts. When you lose a game like they did, now they're now they're six and five in, in Pac-12 play. The problem is there's that schmas of teams yes. at six and five. Yes, Utah is one of them. Stanford, UCLA. I I'm not I'm not ready in the fire everything mode for the Buffs. They're in a downswing. That's that's something you can't argue, especially being right at nearly 500. But also. Like, let's take a look at the rest. Arizona was the standard bearer. They're 17 and 5. They only have two fewer losses than the Buffaloes right now. Yeah. Like, the Pac 12's kind of slugging it out between them. You have UCLA, who in the conference standings right now is seventh, two back of Arizona in the conference. That's right where the Buffs are. Buffs are two games back with. Seven to play? I don't think. And they've got Arizona State coming up, and they've mm-hmm. dominated Arizona State. Right. So that they, that's a positive. They have Arizona at home coming up Saturday. Yeah. Arizona State Thursday. Mm-hmm. Then they go to L.A. Then they have Utah again, Cal, Stanford, and then finish in Oregon. So there's enough time to get it straightened out. But that's a tough loss to take. It's and a it, tough it, loss. And, I, and not excusing, that's a tough loss. Utah, you should be able to beat Utah. But also, there are three teams that are 15-7 and seven in the Pac-12 right now. And Buffs have seven games left. There's still a pretty decent shot to get to 20 wins. This is all before the Pac-12 tournament. When, so when, I, when in the Pac-12 regular season title is going to be difficult, though. Not impossible, oh, but very difficult. Making the tournament is still very much there for yeah, them. Yeah, and uh, what and, good does, I mean, a regular season title, that's great. You throw up a banner for that. That's fantastic. But, you know, if you... But you want to be playing basketball. You want to be you're better. Com- but you want to be better. You want to be competing for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like it's the end-all, be-all. Making the tournament's the end-all, be-all. Yeah. you got eight games left to kind of right the ship a little but bit. But you want to be playing better down the stretch here. And I agree. Uh, I'm just I, saying there's time to get there. There, there is time, but that time is becoming shorter and shorter now. Yeah, and you, you got to like the fact you've 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 owned Arizona State, 
Buffs are 12 and 0 against the Sun Devils at Cioven Center, by the way. You know, I, you gotta like that. I'm probably just yeah. I probably just jinxed them. And See. then they and then they got number eleven Arizona on Saturday, and you know this could be a different time, different matchup this time than when they went to Tucson because mm-hmm. they didn't have I think Williams was out and I know Tristan De Silva was out. They were shorthanded and yeah. they just absolutely got woodshedded by the Wildcats when they went to Tucson. And Arizona's vulnerable on the road at times. Yeah, so this lost at Stanford, you're, you're lost right. at it, Washington State, at Oregon State. I'm, but I'm, I'm not ready to fire Tad Boyle though. That's what I mean. I mean, I can understand the, the disappointment, of, of losing a game like that. But I, I just feel like you got to. You don't want to break the couch yourself. Exactly. Who are you going to find that's better than Tad Boyle at the moment? You don't want to Frank Solich yourself and be like, this is not good enough. And then you fire him, and you're staring nine win seasons in the face. And you're going through dude after yeah. dude after dude, and you're going, why do we fire that guy again? The transfer what? portal is only an out, or yeah. is only an exit, not an entrance. Yeah, why did we get that guy? Why, yeah. why, did, why didn't we keep that guy? Why were we in such a rush to get rid of him? I think you got to understand the frustration, mm-hmm. but also think about it in a rational way of, He's done a great job there. There's still plenty of time for this team yeah. opportunity to to make the NCAA basketball tournament. The resume is still pretty decent. It's frustrating for sure. The last two games are games they should have won. They also had a really nice win at Washington. Now, Washington's not great, but you put up nearly 100 in the college game at this point. And they've only won it twice there Yeah, since joining the Pac-12. You know, so you punked that, USC at home, which is always nice. You got some losses on there that are eh, at yeah. Cal, again, at Utah. The CSU loss looks a little worse now. Mm-hmm. CSU's kind of come back. They've to, leveled off. Come back to to reality a little bit. But in, Air, but in the Pac-12 right now, it feels like the top half, even UCLA too a little bit, there's a puncher's chance for everybody on a given night. Yeah. And you just, you got caught by Utah. That's all. For me, anyway. Yeah. For my money. Yeah. But you still have to be playing, I think, more consistent down the stretch than than what they have. Oh, they got to get better. Yeah, one hundred. I agree with you. One hundred. And so, but like I said, it's it's not like everything you freak out and go, oh, they're done. Yeah. They're done. No, they're they're still in pretty good shape, particularly with Arizona coming in on Saturday. Mm-hmm. All right, seven nineteen, and it's time for what's happening. Brought to you by ComWest, your technology partner. They help business owners grow their business by providing quality, reliable, personalized technology solutions that support and secure their business technology consistently and professionally. One call, one team, one goal, helping your business grow by providing assistance with network support, cybersecurity, installing a new business phone system, or improving your surveillance, or putting in a surveillance system for you if you don't have one already. Call them today at ComWest. 970-242-8142 or go to comwestcorp.com. All right, lead things off this morning with uh, the Nuggets in action last night. They wrapped up a two-game weekend series with Portland with a 112-103 victory over the Trailblazers Sunday night at Ball Arena. Denver's Nikola Jokic scored 29 points and Jamal Murray added 21 points and 10 assists. The Nuggets stay within a half game of Minnesota and Oklahoma City for the top spot in the Western Conference. NHL All-Star Weekend concluded in Toronto. The Avs are back to work tonight 
when they head to New York to take on the Rangers pregame at 4.30 for that one on the Team Sports Network. There was the Pro Bowl yesterday. It's the flag football game uh, that took place with the Manning brothers scoring off against each other. NFC beat the AFC uh, 64-59. NFC entered Sunday with a 12-6 lead thanks to their one of the skill challenges on Thursday. Baker Mayfield won the precision passing competition. See, so he beat C.J. Stroud. Surprisingly. While Dallas punter Brian Anger won the closest to the pin title on the golf course. And then there was the flag football game on Sunday. Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts of the Eagles combined to throw five touchdown passes. Lions receiver Amon Ross A. Brown finished with a game high 117 yards and a touchdown as well. C.J. Stroud threw for 173 yards and two touchdowns in the loss. So Eli Manning is now 2-0 against Peyton in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, you throw out the records, though, when those two teams get together. Exactly. And the defense, too. Yeah, well, apparently, it is, yeah. It is flag football, so let's keep that in mind. All right, uh, so uh, the um, first Armac Women's Wrestling Tournament was dominated by the fifth-ranked Cotabonese Mavericks. The Mavs had six individual champions with nine others earning medals. Genesis Martinez, Isabel Morales, Kylie Tabaldo, Hania Halverson, Delilah Adalia, excuse me, Garabay, and Kaylee Collins all won titles with Collins beating teammate Kimberly Carlin. No team scores were kept for the tournament, but the Mavericks ultimately won 30 of 42 matches. Four swimmers from Fruit Monument and four from Grand Junction are heading to the state swim championships. The swimmers competed at the Southwestern League Championships this past weekend at the El Pomarn Auditorium at Cabrera Mesa. The Wildcats' Kendall Wilkinson qualified in the 200 freestyle, the 100 butterfly. Fruit Monument's 200 medley team of Wilkinson, Anastasia Shaw, Kaylin Seeley and Molly Atwood qualified for state. The same group also qualified in the 200 freestyle. Tigers Emily Harden qualified for state in the 100-yard butterfly with Kylie Mull qualifying in the 100 breaststroke. Grand Junction Relay team of Harden, Mull, Abby Price, and Ellie Dore qualified for state in the 400 freestyle. The same swimmers also qualified in the 200 medley relay. And the Fruit Monument girls basketball team, they took a major step Friday toward winning the Southwestern League title. The Wildcats extended their winning streak to eight straight games and stopped Central's winning streak at eight with their 70-52 home win of the Warriors. Campbell Brammer and Abby Ayer each scored 14 points each for the Wildcats. With a game I-22 coming from Central's Christina Manzanera as the win moves the Wildcats to 5-0 in the SWL and 16-2 and overall. Warriors fall to 10-9 and and they're 4-1 in league. Grand Junction won their first home game in three years. With a 48-33 victory over Eagle Valley, the Tigers then dropped a 54-22 game to Montrose in SWL play. The Red Hawks' Maggie Legg scored 18 points, with Macy Oberg adding 16 points. Montrose moved to 2-3 and in the SWL and 12-5 and overall, with Grand Junction falling to 0-5 in league and 5-14 and overall. Palisade defeated Durango 38-27 to move to 13-6 and on the season. The Bulldogs' Chloe Simon scored 21 points and hit three three-pointers. Delta extended their winning streak to 13 straight games after winning Friday at Steamboat 55-16. The Panthers are 8-0 in the 4A Western Slope League and 13-4 and overall. They play at Montrose Thursday on the Monkey with pregame at 5-15, catching Delta 97.1 FM and in Montrose at 93.5 FM. The Fruit of Monument Boys basketball team, they're just now 20-0 after picking up a 62-49 home win over Central Friday. Fruit is Daniel Thomas and led all scores with 22 points with Central's Jackson Amos scoring 13 points. Wildcats are 5-0 
in the Southwestern League as they head to Montrose tomorrow night. The Warriors fall to two and three in league there, nine and ten overall. Grand Junction defeated Montrose forty to thirty-eight in triple overtime as the Tigers improved to two and three in the league and thirteen and six overall. Edison Dean's fourteen points paced the Tigers. Red Ox fall to two and three in league and thirteen and four overall. Palisade was a fifty-five to forty-three win over Durango as Hunter Howard scored nineteen points to lead the Bulldogs. The win moves Palisade to eight and eleven overall. Delta lost at Steamboat Springs, 62 to 48 on Friday. The loss drops the Panthers to five and four in the four-year Western Slope League and seven and ten overall. And Sunday, there was softball at uh, Conroy, Texas, the D2 first pitch Invitational, and uh, the Cover Mesa softball team they won the first game uh, by the score of five to four, and uh, they lost the second game to Angelo State, seven to six. Uh, they beat uh, Texas International in the first game. Uh, by that five to four score, by the way, so uh, they're able to uh, get the victory against Texas A&M International five to four, but lost the second game to Angelo seven to six, and that's a look at what's happening. All right, brought to you by Comwest, your technology service partner. If you need IT help or help with a new business phone system or surveillance, call Comwest today nine seven zero two four two eighty one forty two or go to Comwest Corp. Dot com. All right, uh, we'll take a break. On the other side, we'll uh, bring you some sound. A little Post Malone, Michael Malone, talked about the Nuggets win over the Trailblazers last night. That's coming up next. It's the good, the bad, the ugly on this Monday. What makes your list? Send it our way, 970-242-1340. I'm the morning guy. I have a Facebook group, 16 members. Some call it a fan page. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 729. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. It's Monday, the good, the bad, the ugly. What makes your list from the weekend? You can send it to us on the team line, 970-242-1340. So the uh, Nuggets uh, had the game, the two games of Portland. Denver getting the win last night at Ball Arena, taking down uh, the Trailblazers last night, 112-103. to So uh, the Nuggets right now is just a half game behind Oklahoma City and Minnesota. Uh, for the top spot in the Western Conference. Uh, got a little post Malone from last night's game where uh, the Nuggets were were led by, guess who? Nikola Jokic. 29 points in 34 minutes, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. What, no triple-double? Yes. Come on. Soft. Come on, Joker. Soft. Jamal Murray, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 10 assists last night. But the bench played a really key role, most notably Peyton Watson last night with 12 points and six rebounds, and got after it on the defensive end and uh, late in the third into the fourth quarter as well for the Nuggets. So uh, start out with a little uh, post Malone, Michael Malone, talking about the win over the Blazers. Yeah, energy. Yeah, I mean, uh, Christian just won defensive player of the game. Thought his activity was uh, was just you know, terrific. That's how he needs to play, man. You know, you look at his stat sheet, one of four from the field, who cares? You know, the defense, the energy, the loose balls, the steals, the deflections, running the floor, cutting without it. You know, that, that's what Christian Brown is. And then Peyton, once again, the fourth quarter, I loved it. They came down one time, no one had him. He pulled up for three, and that was one of those, no, 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 great shot. And, uh, you know, but he's, you know, the kids got balls, man. And uh, I thought two young players impacted the game at a high level. 
Uh, Jamal Murray, 10 assists, one turnover. I think last two games, now it's 19 total assists, only three turnovers. Great number. Uh, Nicola, Aaron, you know, um, you know, just a lot of guys stepped up. And our defense got better as the game went along. We had zero defense. We had a little bit of defense. We had a lot more defense, and we had great defense. And um, obviously, I think the key to the game would be end of that third quarter, 11-0, start the fourth quarter, 12-3. That was when we took control of the game, and it was fun to watch that group go out there and play at a high level on both ends of the floor. All right, there's Michael Malone. Mentioned Christian Brown, the job he did defensively, Peyton Watson, what he did defensively, but also uh, scoring off the bench for the Nuggets as well. Here's uh, Watson on... I'm playing some pretty strong fourth quarters the last couple of games. Yeah, man, I'm one of those guys who can affect the game without the ball. Always have been, always will be. And I think that those times where I'm putting everything I can into defense and rebounding and just helping us win, um, I think it just wears the the other team out. And down the stretch in the fourth quarter, that's when my energy just keeps on, keeps on coming. So, um, you know, two good fourth quarters, um, and hopefully I can continue to do it. Well, and Denver put together a really strong finish to the third and then went on a 16-0 run uh, that went at the end of the third, end of the fourth quarter, where Portland went almost six minutes without a field goal. And then KCP hits a three, puts him up 84-79, and then the dynamic duo, the uh, Joker and the Blue Arrow, just kind of took over after that. Murray hit a three, got the assist from Jokic, Murray grabbed a rebound, threw a long pass to Jokic for a bucket at the other end in transition, and then they worked on a pick and roll together, and then uh, Murray with a, a sweet little pass to, to Joker for a bucket. So those guys really took over down the stretch as the Nuggets. Uh, look, uh, Mike Malone talks about defense. Defense wasn't great to start the game. Defense finished really strong in that, in that game last night for Denver. Yeah, they, they played really well on the defensive end, and Mike Malone talked about that crossover end of third, start of fourth is where things really went in the Nuggets' favor because it was kind of even in the first half. I think even the Blazers were up double digits at the end of the first quarter. Nuggets were able to kind of come back against a team that they should beat at home. Blazers aren't great. They had a couple guys in with 20, DeAndre Ayton. No Dame McCollum anymore. Those yeah. guys are long gone. Anthony Simons, good player. DeAndre Ayton has kind of found a new groove, but they don't really have a ton of other guys up there in Portland. And like you mentioned, that team has been broken up for a while now. And then a Joker goes out there, puts up 20 shots, makes 12 of them, 29 points, 21 for Jamal Murray. I was catching a little bit of Brian Scalabrini, and this will tie in, I promise. He's He brought up a point about Nikola Jokic. Who is the last guy really, and I don't know the answer to this. It's not a trivia question. Sure. Who's the last guy to win an NBA championship as a star? Nikola Jokic is a star. Without a guy on his team that was ever an all-star. No one else on the Nuggets has been an all-star. Yeah, because Jamal Murray got shafted. To be honest, got shafted. Yeah, to be to be very very fair about that. But most other teams have at least another All Star. That's true. You know, so it's it's a great point and something to think about when you talk about Nikola Jokic. Yeah, when, when LeBron when LeBron won with the Lakers, yeah, Davis had been an All Star. Yeah, Anthony Davis had been an All Star. You know, I even mean, in Cleveland, J.R. Smith was an All Star once at one point. I think uh, Miami, Kevin obviously, Love, he had Wade. Miami Wade Bosch. Yeah, you know. 
You take a look at the Warriors. Yeah, they've had all-stars. So, you know, maybe maybe it's Kawhi and San Antonio, maybe? Maybe, yeah. It's going back a ways. But, yeah, it's it's something interesting to think about when you talk about, well, Nikola Jokic. Is he really the Yes, he is this year. And Jamal Murray should be with should him. Should be an all-star. Should Absolutely. be with him on, on the Western Conference all-star team. I mean, he's right around his career scoring average. One of the numbers they rolled out, pro basketball reference, his offensive rating of 120 points produced per one of possessions going into Friday was 113. That's a career best. Other analytics, his win shares per 48 minutes, uh, 149 career mark was 104. Player efficiency rating 20.3. Uh, career average is 16.7. Offensive box score plus minus 4.4. Career has been 1.8. So his numbers are better yeah. in many in, in many areas of advanced analytics than they've, they've ever been. And, yes, he's missed 14 games. But I just, the guy, I just, don't, I just don't get how you don't have him on an all-star team. Not starting. I can get that. He's not a starter. But not on the Western Conference All-Star team just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. He's not too far behind Nikola Jokic. You mentioned the per 100 possessions. Nikola Jokic is 38.8 points per 100 possessions. Jamal Murray is 32. Nobody else is in the 30s in the Nuggets. Actually, no one else is north of 25. So, like, he is offensively very close to the scoring output of Nikola Jokic per 100 possessions. I mean, in January, he he averaged 23.6 points per game. That's pretty good. Yeah. Like, he's never going to be an elite-level scorer because there are so many guys that need fed on this team. When Michael Porter Jr. is not saying stupid stuff about the WNBA, he likes to shoot the rock. And KCP's out there as well, and then you got the guys off the bench... He's never going to be that closing in on 30 points per game score. Nikola Jokic is still under 28 points per game. And that guy is the guy that can put in 30 seemingly at will. So there's enough to go around for the team that Michael, that Jamal Murray is just not ever going to get to that level, I don't think. And it's not a knock. That's just a fact of he's on a really good team. Right. So, if you're wondering what people you you're making oh, a reference, do we want to save this? Yeah. Do you have? Uh, I don't have it for anything. I just saw it, and I'm like, oh man. Well, let's just jump into very quickly here before we do sound check because this we're talking Nuggets right yeah. now. Michael Porter Jr. This is the this is the quote. This is about the WNBA. Yeah. I know these females want to get paid more, and they're very talented but so is a famous ping-pong player. Like the best ping-pong player is just as talented as the best NBA player, that doesn't mean that they're going to get paid the same because it's what the people want to watch. Mm. Okay, at the end of it, I understand. The W, the, the NBA draws more interest. It's been around a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Draws more interest than the WNBA. Get that, understand that. But... To be insulting to a group of professionals. Yeah. Different gender, 
but they do what you do. Let's call They're, them women first. Of how all. about how about let's these females? What you you women, ladies, something better than females? Yeah. And then to compare them to the best ping pong player. Mm. I said, Come on, man. I, 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 I get it that you play in a league that is highly followed, big TV ratings. People in general watch the watch the NBA more than the WNBA. That's yeah. factual. That's just that's just the reality of it. But to be just just insulting. To, to the is, women that yeah. play in the WNBA? Come on, man. It's on the Pivot podcast, which Ryan Clark is one of the co-hosts. Former Steeler, right? We talked about. I like Ryan Clark. So he's the host, and he tried to help MPJ out. Like, the focus centers around revenue-sharing models, labor negotiations, percentages, treatment. Channing Crowder is also on the podcast claim. The game wasn't as exciting in the WNBA, which Michael Porter Jr. then says, they got to lower the rims. I would watch a girl coming down the lane on another girl, but they need to lower the rims. And he he went on to say, you know, I understand females wanting the same treatment as men's basketball players. It's a different sport. They're not packing out arenas. Obviously, their TV deals aren't the same. So as much as I advocate for women and the equality of the respect of their craft, which it sounds like you just kind of crapped on it, but yeah. okay. I mean, you can't you can't pay him the same thing, you know, but I do feel like there should be a little way to make a bit more money because they're very talented. That's okay. That's not great. It's not a great look. Some places WNBA does well. Seattle yeah. does very well. Like Connecticut Sun, I think mean, they, they do pretty well. And he's I, in the interview wearing Brianna Stewart's shoes. Yes, and that's, yes. I'm, I'm just, once again, Michael Porter Jr. has kept his mouth quiet for a while and not said anything really dumb. This is probably why. This is, man, you Jeez. just... Like, why wait into this? Why? why? Just just go, hey, I, I hope... dive head the, first. The, the women that play in that league are super talented. I you know, I, I hope that they they keep, you know, developing as a league and that, that their players get comp- better compensation. They get better TV deals. They, it, it's, it's an exciting league. Yeah, we still... If you want to get into the whole thing about... Yeah, NBA still draws better than WNBA if you feel like you need to puff up your chest about that. Mm-hmm. But that's a growing league, and, and there's a lot of talented players in that league. Just don't say what you just said, and then there, try and to and then try to back up occasionally right. and say, "No, I I support them and respect them." But for the most part, you're kind of just crapping all over what they do. And there's a lot of stupid crap in here too, like make it easy, like lower the rims so they can dunk, which you know make that more exciting to me. Steph Curry doesn't dunk. Nikola Jokic barely dunks. Yeah. And he's still fun to watch. It's just, it's, it's a multi-tiered layers of stupidity in the, this whole thing. You can just do your thing, man, and be okay about what you do and fine. Right. You know, 
and love the league you're in. But those those are those are your contemporaries. Yeah, though, though they play in a different league, but those they do the same thing you do. You're a professional basketball player. They're professional basketball players. They're like like a ping pong player. Mm-hmm. There are some people that just should not be left alone to speak out loud. And yeah. I think MPJ is one of them now. I'm just like, look, if that's how, if that's how you feel about him in private, I don't care. That's that's your call. If that's how you want to feel. Don't agree with it. I respect the talent that's in the WNBA. We, you and I, don't consume tons of the WNBA. No. Maybe we had a Colorado team. I might be a little more inclined to watch, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean I don't think that they're that they're not really talented. They are. They're really good basketball players. Yeah. I mean, look how exciting this last year's women's NCAA basketball tournament was. And all uh, Caitlin Clark's hella okay. fun to watch. Yeah. She's, a, she's not in the NBA yet, but she's going to be there she's and be there and, soon. And she's, she's probably gonna be really good. Mm-hmm. I, I just, man, you don't just have ma- to answer every question. It just, it just makes you look like a damn fool. It just does. He has a habit of doing that. Yeah. It's, it's fine to say that's outside my big ring. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't. I, I don't like know. It's not I, for me to determine. I, hope, I, I just hope that that league continues to grow and they continue to get more opportunities. Right. There you go. If you want to be selfish, that's fine. Like, I'm just worried about my paycheck. That's okay. I don't I care. I don't care. Yeah, I don't really pay attention to what they're doing. Yeah. Okay with that. Should they make more money? Sure. I'm worried about me making more money. And does, and does Michael Porter Jr. need to be, you know, drawn and quartered and on the public, you know, public opinion, you know, town square? No, no. But we, we need to bring this up and say yeah, those are some stupid, really yeah. inconsiderate things to say. But it doesn't mean he should be banned from talking forever. He probably needs to think twice about what he says mm-hmm. again. But it doesn't mean that he needs to be canceled forever. Right. But man, say be smarter. Just don't schedule any more interviews. Yeah. Just That's don't. A- just don't do it. Or if something like that comes up, just pass. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pass on that. Oh, okay. It's time for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Does it kill him to call them women? I mean, yeah, that too. He called like, call the men men. There's so many different levels of what an idiot Yeah. in this thing. Anyway, we go from one side of the spectrum to the other. Very pleasant-ish exchange earlier in the month, I guess, that uh, the University of Northwestern fell at number three Purdue, 105 to 96. And the screen keeps jumping on me as I try to get the box score because that's important. They fell to Purdue by a score of 105 to 96 in overtime. Northwestern shot eight free throws. Purdue... 46. Whoa! And Purdue head coach Chris Collins lost his mind. Former player? Former... I believe so. Not Purdue. Northwestern head coach. Lost yeah. his mind. Yeah. Chris Collins. Former NBA player. Mm-hmm. Former analyst. I believe so. Yeah. Very good. Uh, I believe the son of Doug Collins, maybe? No, they had Doug. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Doug Collins. Doug Collins. This is Chris Collins. His son, yes. In the post game after Purdue, he had after he had blown his top, which he then got fined for, there was this exchange with a student newspaper writer. Uh-oh. 
Oh, oh no. Oh, here we go. Coach, um, uh, you guys have been able to been able to keep... I fully forgot my question. I'm sorry, Coach. All right. I still love you. You're still my guy. There you go. That's good. See, that's a way he, to handle that. Yeah, just... Because the kid was panicking, you he, could tell. The poor, the poor kid. Yeah, he was circling the drain. I, I, Coach Collin, I left my retainer at yep. home. You're you're still my guy. You're my boy, Blue. I like, I like that. Yep. Was was kind and compassionate even mm-hmm. after because I saw the video. Minutes after he had losing to be, his he mind. He had to be restrained like three times. Mm-hmm. He was just losing it. He was livid. And if yeah. I was on the back end of a 38-shot foul shot discrepancy, I would have been, I would be too. I'd be a little hot too. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we spoke recently with Jerry Schimmel from the Rockies Radio Network. We'll bring you some of that conversation next on the Jim Davis Show. They're a lot of fun. Oh. The Jim Davis Show. They're idiots. They're what? On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Next hour, chance to win at the number game, but uh, recently we spoke with Rockies play-by-play voice Jerry Schibel about uh, Todd Helton's selection into the Baseball Hall of Fame and some other Rockies news and notes as spring training is fast approaching. Here's our conversation with Jerry Schimmel. Good morning, Jerry. How are you doing? Jim, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing fine. Uh, my apologies. We got to do a little bit later. Mark, We had Mark Johnson on, so we got a little, a little behind schedule, so my apologies, my friend. You know, that's okay. If you've got Mark Johnson there, he likes to talk like this, Jim. He's got this big, deep voice, and he goes on forever. So those segments will take a little bit longer than you think they will. Uh, next time Mark's that is on. That a we're, solid impression we're, we're right there. We're going to have to play that for Mark, Jerry. The next time Mark Johnson comes on, we'll have to do that. We'll have to play that for Mark. I appreciate that. Hey, I appreciate that, guys. Hey, you know, they've got a good basketball team. They've got a big win last night at Washington. It was wonderful. I did not realize that the Jerry Schimmel had Frank Caliendo or Rich Little uh, <laughs> talent here. I, I, that's, an, that's an incredible impersonation, Jerry. I am I'm floored with how, how spot you know, on that is. It, you know what's funny is I've actually gone on a couple times on our flagship station in Denver, KOA, uh, and people thought I was Mark Johnson uh, <laughs> a couple times over the years. So, well, the next yeah. time Mark can't come on, I'm just going to give you a call and just say, yeah. just come on and pretend yeah, to be sub- Mark Johnson next time. Now, I'll sub for him. And I'll, what I'll do is just talk like this, and I'll say great things about Jerry Schimmel the whole time I'm on there. That's what I'll He's do. He's one of the finest broadcasters I've ever had a chance to work with. An incredible man. <laughs> incredible human being, incredible man. He should exactly be Exactly right. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a good friend of mine, too. He's, he's, a, he's a Buffs fan, for sure. He wouldn't be my friend if he wasn't a Buffs fan, even though he's a fine human being. Got to be a Buffs fan first. No, like giving Mark some grief this morning. Uh, Todd Helton goes into the Hall of Fame, Jerry. Um, I don't know if you can do a Todd Helton as well. You can get you can take, a, take a crack at it if you want to. But uh, i just thrilled that uh, the Rockies get their second Hall of Famer. And, uh, that's, and Todd Helton certainly is a guy that deserves uh, that spot in Cooperstown. I agree with you, Jim. I, I, I do agree. You know, I think a lot of people might be you know, people outside of Denver are not Rockies fans, national media East Coast, whatever that might be, might be surprised by Todd Helton. Someone probably don't even know who he is, but uh, he's deserving. And when you look at his numbers, 
17 years with the Rockies, same team, and put up those great numbers for you know five or six years. Might have been the best hitter in baseball. Probably should have won an MVP one year. But you look at his numbers, and I think people for a long time thought there was that course field bias. But then when you break them down, look at his road numbers, the road numbers are better than a lot of current Hall of Famers, and now he's one of them. So I agree with you. Uh, great. I think what's lost, too, is how good he was defensively, especially late in his career. So, yeah, very deserving, and you know, Rocky's uh, nation is awfully proud this morning. And we, we had a texture that I thought made a really good point, that it seems like for first baseman, it's it's almost more difficult at times to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't think the skill set defensively gets appreciated. Uh, I mean, when you talk about guys that have to pick a lot of bad balls out of the dirt, and Todd had to do that, even though they had you know incredible guys like like Troy Tulowitzki there uh, playing shortstop. But still, you have to dig a lot of bad balls out of the dirt. The job that he did playing defense for that team, I don't think I think for a lot of first basemen, especially Todd is an underrated aspect, Jerry, of their game. Yeah, no question about that. And I think what what really to me is interesting is when, you know, he came up, and I remember re- reading about this and hearing this, he wasn't a great first baseman. And, and he, he was the first to admit that. He said, you know, in college I pitched, then I played first base, but I was always focused on hitting. I never never really worked on my defense. It just, I just sort of took it for granted. I was always in the batting cage. I was never out there on the field taking ground balls and getting better at first. And then he got a little criticism, uh, criticism early in his career defensively, and he worked at it. Then he became not just a good first baseman, but a great one, a gold glover. I think he won three gold gloves. So the idea that he, at the end of his career, and for a long time in his career, was that really good defensive player, I think stands out because he became that once he became a major leaguer. So, And that tells you a lot about Todd. He, he saw a deficiency. He was going to work at it. He was not going to just shore it up. He was going to make it a strong point. And that's what he did with his defense at first base. And I think you really have to respect that. Jerry Schimmel, one of the voices of the Colorado Rockies, uh, with us this morning on the Team Sports Network, uh, talking about Todd Helton's induction into uh, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, Jerry, who's next? Who's the next Rocky you think gets in? A lot of people will probably say Nolan Arenado, possibly, maybe Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, I know there's a lot of us that tugs to the heartstrings. We'd love to see Andres Galarraga, the big cat, going all the way back to the, the expansion uh, this phase of the Rockies that uh, could possibly get in someday. But uh, I guess just your take on, on who's next for the Rockies, at least yeah, who's the next I, candidate. Yeah, my, my thought is it's probably going to be Nolan Arenado. That's going to be a while yet because I think he's got many years ahead of mm-hmm. him and many productive years. Uh, I look at Troy Tulowitzki's numbers, and for a while – he might have been the best uh, for for a while. He was for a, a period of three or four years. He was the best shortstop in baseball, and he put up numbers early in his career which matched the best shortstops in baseball, including Alex Rodriguez. Maybe not with the home runs, but he, he certainly was up there in other categories. But then the, the, the injuries and a kind of a shortened major league career might hurt him a little bit. I think he will get on the ballot someday, but I think it's probably Nolan Arenado, and you know the, the numbers that Nolan's put up with his glove and with his bat, are just phenomenal. And I think as soon as he's done playing, he's probably right in there. But my guess, my hunch is it's probably it's probably going to be Nolan someday. It'll be the next one, next Rocky. Jerry. All right, so you can hear more of that interview, by the way. You can find our website at theteam1340.com. So when you get somebody qualified uh, this hour for the Buffalo Wild Wings, big game giveaway. We'll draw the winner Thursday morning to start out the show. It's a table for six along with 50 wings for Buffalo Wire, at Buffalo Wild Wings for uh, the big game on February 11th. Got it here? Blue, what is that?
All right, so if you've already qualified, you're in. You're done. You can only qualify one time. Send your text in now. First name, last name. Put a B-dubs on your text and send it to us on the team line. 970-242-1340.